Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I gotta give Shroppy credit. He's bringing some funk. You're going to have to speak louder over the speakers here because I'm sure they're busting out with this beat going out right now. I'm sorry about your bass, folks. Listen, Wes will pay for it if he got busted. There are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walker will chip in as well. We'll go half and half. We're a two-man show, so we got to attack this thing jointly. I got some Monopoly money I can give you. <laughs> Welcome back to the Wesley Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7, broadcasting live from the Planet Key Studio, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkeync.com. Hit that that text line 704-570-9610. And so we told you during the break, the Panthers just might have their dynamic young receiver already on the roster. Is it Jonathan Mingo, you say? Well, no, it is not. It is actually going to make Walker Mill very happy. He's got a lot of things going for him in his sports life right now as far as what he likes and things that could happen. It's all going to come down to June 22nd. And right now... His guy's getting a lot of love coming off the heels of many saying he may have had the most impressive camp yesterday. Terrence Marshall Jr., rated by Pro Football Focus as the number one receiver in the NFL when it comes to go routes, folks. The, the PFF, they rated all the wide receivers in the league based on Various routes. They gave a lot of them. Post routes, corner routes, slants, digs, all of these. But when it came to go routes, there was none better than Terrence Marshall Jr. They said, and I quote, he showcased his ability to work downfield in his second season. His 10 go routes led his Panthers teammates, and he caught seven of them for an eighth-ranked 202 yards. He led receivers in yards per route run, 14.43 and generated a 145.8 passer rating when targeted on his go routes last season. Walker, how does that make you feel? Does this make you feel like now that the Panthers have that dynamic young receiver that can take the top off of a defense in TMJ? I feel a lot better about it. Let me ask you this, Wes. I'm going to answer your question with another question. You tell me if this is good company or not. He's number one. Amongst all receivers in go routes with a 97.1 grade. Mm-hmm. Second is A.J. Brown with a 96.6 grade. And third is Mike Evans with a 95.1. Is that good company to be in? That's pretty good company, I must say. Um, Terrace Marshall Jr. was drafted because he had a lot of nice physical traits. He was injury prone. That's why he fell late in the second round for Carolina to be able to select him. And he's been a little injury prone at the, at the beginning of his NFL career. But this is why I've always felt pretty good about being on the right side with Terrace Marshall, with thinking he's actually going to have a mini breakout this season. Because we got to see some evidence last year. This is not all unfounded. I felt good about Terrace Marshall coming into his second season. That was a little bit more hope-based. We had not seen what he could do really in the first season. Preseason we did. He was one of the league leaders in all receiving yards just with the uh, first four games that he would suit up with the Panthers. But really, we didn't have a whole lot of evidence to go off of. We got a little bit of a sample size. And we even have enough of a sample size just based off of go routes to tell you there's something to work with here. So DJ Chark 
being the downfield threat that you might expect him to be because he's really fast, because we've seen his body of work with Jacksonville, with Detroit after he came back from injury, you also had somebody that was better at that than what DJ was with Detroit last year. Yeah, I really like what Terrace can do. And here's something else I'll throw at you. Anybody that was interested in DeAndre Hopkins as a Carolina Panthers fan, they would cite that he was so good at catching the ball in a contested situation. Mm-hmm. Terrace Marshall's really good at that. He's really good at going ahead and bringing that football in. If he doesn't have quite the separation you would want, or if it's just a 50-50 ball you're throwing to him, he's shown the ability, even with some highlight catches last year, minicamp so far in the last couple of weeks, it took a slight breeze to push me over the edge. But yeah, I'm all in on the Terrace Marshall Jr. hype wagon. Yeah, I think that this does bode well for him because when you look at the fit in the offense of what that can bring, when you have a guy that you feel like is that downfield threat, that definitely takes your receiver room to the next level because you have guys that are going to work the sidelines, they're going to work over the middle of the football field, and they're going to work those intermediate and short areas. When you talk about Adam Thielen, now DJ Chalk's another guy that could potentially be a downfield threat as well. We'll see what he does in that offense. You know what Hayden Hurst is going to do as the tight end. He's going to be able to work the short intermediate, and he'll also be able uh, to go deep as well when tight ends are called upon. But as far as just having that guy that can take the top off of the defense, and the biggest thing is defenses will have to account for him, and that's the huge thing because these teams, they do analytics. They keep up with data as well. They know that Terrace Marsh is a guy that can go downfield and get it as evidenced by this score. So now you have to respect that. When they're on the field and three wide receiver sets, teams are going to have to respect that now, and so that will open things up in a lot of ways. But I do I – was, I was very surprised by this. Uh, well, I, we talked about it. I mean, this – it wasn't the, okay, here is the list of the top three guys at the go route. Yeah. But we do know that he has a good PFF grade from last year. Mm-hmm. We do know that he was someone that was considered one of the best deep threats in the NFL last season. So I guess we just hadn't seen it ranked compared to every single receiver specifically where we see him. And I think when you see the flashy name of A.J. Brown and Mike Evans under him, then that's going to be a lot more attention grabbing. But it goes to show that there is something to work with here in Terrace Marshall Jr. Yeah, I think so too. So now we're going to talk about my guy, Rajon Wright. And the Charlotte Observer did a piece about how the undrafted free agent has a very close relationship with J.C. Horn. And so they talked about how they met roughly two years ago through Rajon's brother, Nashon. Uh, Nashawn, I believe it is, 2021 third-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys who plays with Horn's former South Carolina teammate, Israel Mukuamu. I, I believe I got that right, but if I did not, excuse me. I'm not going to hold it against uh, you. But they said since their initial meeting that Rajon and J.C. Horn have grown close and now they are teammates. Rajon cited the fact that he's the reason that he came here with that friendship, also talked about his familiarity with Panther safety coach Burt Watts, who recruited him during his days in high school and JUCO, and also talked about how much he's enjoying cornerbacks coach Jonathan Cooley and D'Angelo Hall getting coaching from him. He said that he also talked about how he believed him uh, having a sports hernia. Definitely he had two, to be exact, that he had to get uh, taken care of, which sidelined him for OTAs. But it seems like this is another kid that's bringing 
Uh, they're, they're starting to gain momentum. He's being talked about more and more. You start to get more insight into his story, which you guys still haven't watched The uh, Last Chance You, but I implore you to uh, check that out. But do you think that this is something – because he also said that he's going to go to Georgia to train for a couple of weeks. Then he's going to get with JC in the weeks leading up to training camp to uh, finish up his training to get him ready. Do you think that that is a huge advantage to him and gives him a leg up as they go towards training camp? I don't honestly no. I don't think so. I, I think learning from any NFL cornerback is going to be good. Mm. I don't know if you have a great relationship with the specific corner that is J.C. Horn, I, I guess maybe he would give you some intel into what they like to do, and maybe you could use that as an advantage. But at the end of the day, if I want to go on my Matt rule, I think Mark Milton, some of the other talented cornerbacks that you might bring in from an undrafted standpoint, they're all going to be up to speed because of what they're asked to do in minicamp, in OTAs, going into training camp. You're just going to have to perform well. I don't know if the relationship with J.C. Horn, it's going to be, okay, well, because of that, we're going to give him the advantage to have him be the starting cornerback outside of J.C. or be first in line if Dante Jackson goes down with another injury. It doesn't hurt, I guess. At the same time, I don't know if it's going to be this big advantage that he can hold over some of these undrafted secondary guys that they uh, brought aboard. Well, not in that respect, and I, and I certainly hope you didn't think I meant it that way as far as him, his friendship and that, that giving him the benefit of the doubt, but I do think it is going to help him, and I do think it is going. What to, specifically, like what, because what's of help the him? fact of JC being able to give him the tricks of the trade, some of those little nuggets that some of those other guys aren't getting. Now, maybe if they come down, train with him, whatever. But he's going to be with JC Horn for weeks leading up to training camp. Uh, we know the kid has talent. We know why he did not get drafted, but I feel like just. J.C. being an experienced player, playing against some of the best wide receivers in the league, he can give him some of those things to give him a leg up. Going up against some of those Panthers receivers already that he's going to have to see every day in one-on-ones and him being able to give him some of the game because that's going to be huge for him as far as just him knowing, look, receivers in the league, they like to do this. This helps me when I'm doing this. This helps me when I do that. Like, yeah, they're not the same player, but getting those nuggets from a player that caliber when you're staying with him, you guys are hanging out all the time. You're not going to believe who just walked in here who's peeking his head through. Uh, yeah, a guy that's going to be in fire fizzle a little bit later. I'm not going to give that there away he to is. the people. Oh, yeah, he is. Hey, he's about to be the part of the show in two segments. I don't know if you can hear us. Um, certain mystery person. I don't know yeah. if you can hear us. So maybe he could come in to hear me do it live if he's yeah. still here. But uh, but yeah, so I, I do think it's going to help him uh, in some ways. Now, will it help him make the roster? No, that's not a guarantee. But I think it's going to help arm him with a lot of knowledge that he otherwise would not have going uh, into camp. All right, so we have some text here on the text line, 704-570-9610. 704 number wrote in, TMJ, not sure what you're seeing. Sounds like a bunch of empty calories. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, we're seeing him actually produce on some of those go-rounds. I don't know if those are empty calories. It certainly wasn't in the win against New Orleans the last game of the season. Uh, keep on scrolling for some of these other text messages that were rolling in, 704-570-9610. So, yeah, people just saying, 704 said, I would love to jump on the Terrace Marshall bandwagon, but remember who the training camp MVP was last year. It was Terrace, and then he had a disappointing season. Mm. But other people have written in, at least he doesn't have the burden of playing with these quarterbacks or Matt Rule. So you have a better quarterback that you're playing with. If you think about it, if if you saw a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold's not the best, but at least he didn't hold DJ Moore so far back. But still, Sam Darnold is not one of the best QBs out here. Yeah. 
DJ Moore, after reaching 1,100 yards in three straight seasons with not excellent QB play, was finally brought down because of what Baker did a little more than the first quarter of the season to 900 yards. So Terrace Marshall, if DJ Moore is affected by that, clearly your best wide receiver. If DJ Moore is affected, you don't think Terrace Marshall trying to find his way in the NFL might be affected by that too? Like young receivers trying to grow with bad offensive systems, with a bad head coach, a young OC initially with Joe Brady, also bad QBs. Tell me, what was working to the advantage of Terrace Marshall here? You tell me because I can't point to anything. So now that you have something more competent as far as a coaching staff, you have opportunity and you have smarter minds. To me, this looks like the exact perfect situation for Terrace to be able to grow. And if he doesn't, then it's really going to be on the player at that point. But right now, there are plenty of justified excuses as to why we have not seen fantastic play the first two years of TMJ's career. Yeah, and also we pointed out yesterday that when you look at this kid and you start to break down wide receiver one or wide receiver two caliber seasons, that he's still in that area in that age group to where he's still not going to be quite ready to produce on that level yet. He's still cooking up, as they say. The seasonings are still going on for him. But we know that if they remain patient with him and if he continues to step up, that this could be a guy that in another season or two could be your guy. We know that they said ages 21 to 24, the likelihood of them producing elite numbers is low, 25 to 28. That's the peak value that you're going to get from these guys. So Terrence Marshall still has some time. He just needs to make the step up and be better than what he was last year because you look at the age on him, he's still 23, so he's still in that phase where he's on the come up. You want to see him increase what he did last year, which is going to be interesting to see with the new receivers coming in and Jonathan Mingo as well. But just everything right now that you – want to see from him early on coming into this season, I think you're seeing it. Um, we're getting some more text. Jack wrote in, Baker Mayfield's ability to take the best wide receiver out of the game is impressive, all caps. <laughs> Who can stop T.O.? He's a shutdown corner. He's a, he's a shutdown quarterback. Yeah. Who can stop T.O., Jerry Rice, or Randy Moss? You guessed it. It's Baker Mayfield. I like that. that he's was the one good. that can come in and stop D.J. Moore. <laughs> Alright, well when we come back, we're going to get more into the Hornets, talking about interest in that number two pick. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I've been trying to get people on the Terrace Marshall Jr. bandwagon. I've got some company. Wes, you've got some company in one of your sports takes. Somebody just wrote in. Looks like from New York, 716 number. Hey, guys. Hornets fan here. 
I'm jumping in on the Hornets trading for Zion. Let's go. High risk. We're still dealing with the same issue for the Gordon Hayward deal. I hope this franchise stops taking these risks and leaving the franchise in turmoil for years. Zion is a special player, but he stays hurt. It's okay. Wait. Oh, I guess that was misleading because now it doesn't seem like he's on the side. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird setup, New York. I don't, yeah. Got Rob, him in the first half. Robert, the Hornets fan, wrote in. Um, yeah, I guess he doesn't like it. I don't know. It was weird. But yes, uh, Zion still on the table. Brandon Ingram reportedly not so much. I saw Jonathan Gavoni in his report on ESPN. He said that Brandon Ingram could be the swing guy to make something shake at number two or number three. Mark Stein put out there that the Pelicans would most likely trade Zion in that scenario. And they're most likely to keep Brandon Ingram mm. in any kind of trade talk uh, talks to move up to number two or number three. Here we go. Trying to comb through the reports. We'll tell you what happened at the beginning of the show. Jake Fisher, Yahoo sports said that the Hornets are attempting to bring both Henderson and Brandon Miller back to Charlotte on Monday to visit with team owner, Michael Jordan. Charlotte could feasibly trade the pick but the Hornets appear deep in internal deliberations between Henderson and Miller. So really what to get from all of this is that it's now officially like we didn't know anyway, but it's officially a two man race between Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson at number two. Jake Fisher would also write, there has been plenty of buzz about new Orleans and Toronto. In addition to Houston, trying to trade up a little further, registering interest in jumping up the draft board. But New Orleans is the one that pretty clearly won Scoot Henderson because he boasts all of the abilities. He measures at right at 6'4 in shoes, listed at 6'2 previously, listed at 6'4 here in this Yahoo report. Wes, any team where there's been a name mentioned that might want to trade up in the draft, it's been really linked to Scoot. Maybe a couple of teams have shown their interest in Scoot. Nobody's really shown the interest in Brandon Miller. My question to you is, is should the alleged interest into the second pick really taking a look at Scoot Henderson, should that solidify his status as the guy that should be second off the board after Victor Weminyama? Uh I would say no in a way because you have to think when it comes to established NBA players, and we know Zion's injury history, we know uh, the things that have gone on there, but still at the end of the day when this guy plays, he's still one of the best in the game. And it's like, how long will it take Scoot to get to that level? Are you willing to wait on that development? Because normally with NBA guys, you're talking minimum two years, but probably about three to four before they really start to show uh, what they are. And so I think that you also have to look at the teams doing it. What is the track record of said teams? Are there uh, real contenders or teams that have really, really competent front offices that are making these moves as well? Now, I do think it, it bodes well for him that teams want to trade up and get him. But at the end of the day, I don't think it solidifies his status as being that guy because there's just so much to prove. There's so much that he has to do in this league, especially when you're talking about potentially trading him for guys that have done it and done it at a high level. Yeah, Zion is a huge risk. There's no doubt. That's why I think reports are more so leaning to the fact that New Orleans would be willing more so to give him up instead of giving up Brandon Ingram. I told you about J.J. Reddick's take on first take yesterday, saying Brandon Ingram is one of those guys that cares more about basketball than anything. We're seeing with this Nikola Jokic stuff, by the way, very much playing into the idea that he doesn't really care about basketball as much as he does other things in life, which I've always been cool with. I remember when Josh Rosen entered the NFL draft 
and everybody was using it against Josh that he didn't care I first and foremost well. about football. He cared about politics. He cared about other things outside of just living within the playbook. I always hated that as a knock against him. Now, didn't work out. I would like to think it didn't work out because other guys were better and he just wasn't good at football rather than him having other interests. Well, here we have it with Nicola, who could not be more in your face. There are other things to care about outside of basketball than he is. Doesn't even want to go to the parade. Doesn't even want to tell you that basketball is life. You are more than just what your career is. He even put that comment out on Oshrop. He sent it to us. He said, does everybody like their job? If they say they do, are they lying? (laughs) This is the guy that just destroyed the league. Mike Greenberg just said that Nicole Jokic had the best postseason run ever, and he might not be wrong. It was that good. It was. It was that good. And Nicole is like, yeah, I just want to go ride some horses in Serbia, man. <laughs> Can Take me back to Sambor. That's why I don't want to use that against guys. At the same time, if Brandon Ingram cares so much about it, you don't have to worry about him putting in the work. If Scoot clearly cares so much about it, you don't have to worry about him putting in the work. And I have found value in that unless you're 6'11", one of the best passers of all time, shoot at a 60% clip, and also, oh yeah, you can even shoot 45% from three-point range. Unless you can do the Jokic stuff, then I'd like you to work on your game as much as possible, and it seems like we have ideas of what prospects do that. Yeah, and I think that he's one of the few athletes that we've seen that are this great that don't have the obsessive attitude that a lot of the greats have because you hear all the stories about the Kobe's, the Jordans, the Brady's, the guys that are just obsessed with nothing more than being great. They sacrifice families. They sacrifice different things like that uh, to, to be able to be as great as they are. And so when you talk about that, as far as a player you want to drive, I think as far as an owner goes, I would like that in a player, a guy that's obsessed but as far as just you do like to have a more uh, a humanized side to it and have some balance. But as far as just yeah. the guy that you want on your team that you know that you can count on, it is going to be the guy that's more obsessed with what he's doing. It's going to be the guy that you trust just a little bit more. And so Scoot seems to have that element. Not sure about Brandon and then some of the guys that you talked about that they could trade for because Zion, I, that's been a question a little bit when you talk about him repairing the injuries and things of that nature. But I think obsessive, when we see that in sports, that always turns out to be great as far as the latter does not always yeah. turn out to be that way. No, it doesn't. So you you have two ends of the spectrum here, right? Because Ben Simmons has that kind of attitude where it doesn't seem like he loves the right. game, which is okay for people. Sometimes you got to cash in on the lottery ticket that you won with being 6'9 and having the agility and the ability to play basketball at a high level. You might not love it, but okay, you didn't ask for that body either on the good side. It's not like you asked to be 6'9 and amazing at it. You just kind of were. Maybe you fell out of love, but also what else is going to give you close to a max contract? What else is going to give you that? Just go ahead and play some basketball. Now, you could take the professional approach here and say, well, this is the job Zion signed up for. Okay, that's true. But it's also hard to manufacture interest if you just don't have it. And that is a problem with Zion. I hope the best for him. You know, man, it was hard not to like Zion. There are Carolina fans that love watching Zion Williamson play because he was a unique basketball player. There wasn't another comparison. People try to make Charles work, but he wasn't as explosive as Zion. We try to make Sean Kemp work, but fat Sean Kemp did not get off the floor like <laughs> Zion did, right? We, we couldn't make it work, so it was so much fun. 
the guy just hasn't been able to stay in shape as much. When he's on the court, he's still great. He's got an, a legitimate all-star appearance. He flirted with a legitimate all-NBA selection. But, man, the guy's played 114 games in four combined years. Sure. You guys understand that's 30 games over a full season in four years? I just can't take that risk. And I also just want to go ahead and see what the future holds with Scoot and LaMelo in the backcourt. Now, I've been team Scoot this entire time. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I also don't want to paint a picture like I hate Brandon Miller. And that's what happens when you pick a guy where it's a two-man race. Because I would be okay with Brandon Miller at three. If the Hornets did not see Mark Tatum reveal their logo at number two, and here they were in the Portland spot, cool, give me Brandon Miller, I'm ready to go to war with him. But Scoot's available, so I want that guy. The thing is, I do acknowledge that Brandon Miller might have the higher floor, Wes. I do. If you want the can't-miss prospect because the ceiling might be crazy, that's where I go, Scoot, and I want to take a swing for the fences. But if you're just asking, hey, who do you think is going to be at baseline a good starting player? Brandon Miller might be that guy because of the shooting ability, and even if he doesn't develop a good enough handle from me to turn into a Jason Tatum, one of these other wings like a Paul George because he doesn't have the same type of explosiveness, but he can still shoot, can still handle it a little bit, still has enough secondary playmaking to pass over the defense because he is 6'9". That's still a good player, and I'd love to have him at three. And if Charlotte ends up drafting him, you at least you're going to have somebody you feel good about panning out, even if it's not at the 100th percentile. Yeah, and so I think it's interesting that you say that because I just talked about how long it takes some NBA players to develop and a lot of these guys that come in. And so when you say, do we want a guy right now? And if you're the Hornets, which direction do you want to go? If you do bring back a Miles Bridges and you do feel like that the gang's back together for the most part and this guy could be a guy coming off of the bench because we said any of these rookies, if they keep the veterans on the roster, are going to come off the bench. So then you say, okay, which guy's ready to come in right now and help us today? Then maybe you do go with Brandon Miller. But I wouldn't discount, and not saying that you're doing that, but I wouldn't discount Scoot Henderson being able to come in as well because, yeah, the shot might not be quite where you want it, but this is still a guy that's going to come into games and be able to uh, make a lot of explosive plays, going to be able to help the team out a lot, especially if he can play within that team construct, which it seems like that he can. But uh, so it just is a matter of what it is that you want because I think that's a, and then that's a tangible that's going to go into this decision too. Perhaps it's just thinking about who's more ready, who would maybe take longer to develop. Somebody got mad at me on the text line. They said, I can't believe you just said Kemp doesn't get off the floor like Zion. You're crazy as hell, man. That's not what I said. Yeah, he said, Fat. we're not, we're not going to disparage the rain man. Okay. When Sean Kemp was touching the ceiling, yeah, in when the gym, he was the rain man, that guy had muscles on top of muscles. But when he turned into Cleveland Cavalier, fat Sean Kemp, he wasn't doing that anymore. Not at all. Zion has the kind of ups that Sean Kemp had with Seattle when he was cut like a Greek god. Zion can do that while eating beignets at every step of the way. (laughs) That's why it's so special to see what Zion is doing. I just don't know if I believe in Zion continuing to be this guy that can stay on the court. So I, I hope he can. But that's why I would just go ahead and roll with the number two overall selection. And we'll see if that does end up being Scoot Henderson. The impressive workout, that's what Gavoni reported. We'll see if we get some kind of report about that regarding Brandon Miller. Do you think the shot making, the shooting, he's been shooting well on air, 
and on coaching staff assistance, right? So that should be noted. Do you still think that's enough for you to feel a lot better with him being the second overall pick and starting to, if you had Brandon Miller above him, does that inch him closer to you? Well, I remember one time having a conversation with, with Dale Curry about this very thing and how guys can be in warm-ups and can shoot the heck out of the ball and then get in the games and they can't make anything. And so he said it's always a matter of confidence. He said some guys, when they shoot the ball and the lights are on, they just can't make a shot. And he said that's just their makeup. And so I say all that to say Scoot does not strike me as that type of guy. And I think if you see it in the workout, you see that he's been working with Curry. I think that NBA guys know the mechanics of a jump shot. How does it look? How will it translate? If he's in the workout and he's cooking, uh, shooting the basketball, we know with the confidence of the young man, more than likely he's not going to be afraid to shoot it in the game. The lights are not going to be too bright for him. So I think that does bowl well, and I think that you can buy into it. And so with everything else that you're getting from him, especially now with the information coming out, the 6'4 height with the shoes on, I think the shooting is the one thing that you're worried about. But if you see and feel good about that, then I don't know why you don't take him. I also wonder if this team is going to kind of go back to what happened with Kimba Walker at the beginning of his career. Here's a small guard that was very productive in college. So very different from Kimba and Scoot because Kimba won a championship, won the Big East tournament, went on that crazy run, but also was a small guard that they took a chance on. And here are the three point percentages for Kimba as he started out his career. 30 percent, 32, 33, 30 first four years. At the age of 24, his first four years, the best three-point shooting percentage he put up was at 33%. Here's what they were afterwards because they stuck with it. They had Bruce Kreitzer, shooting coach that's still on the staff, by the way. And they had Steve Clifford, who is the head coach right now. 37, 39, right at 40, really. 38, 36, 38, 36, and 36 and beyond. Turned into a great shooter as a small guard because Kimba clearly wanted to get better at it clearly cared enough about the game. And if that is something that can be copy and pasted to Scoot's personality, then why am I to say that he can't become a better shooter? Right. Especially shooting 32% all encompassing with the tournaments, with the G league. It's, it's not good. 32% is not good. I'm not trying to sell you something crazy here, but I do believe that Scoot Henderson can get better. And I don't see the shot as broken. I mean, lower body, lower body is fine. It's not great. The follow-through is fine enough. He's got a, He's strong as hell. He can shoot wherever he wants to because he's you know been in the weight room constantly. Right. So I'm cool with all of that. I wonder if they draw back onto the Kimball Walker experience and apply that here to Scoot if he's the pick. Yeah, and I think so. And I think that is a great example that you bring up because it does take time. I mean, I've, I've seen a graphic. I can't remember all the guys they put on it, but there were a lot of guys that ended up being really good NBA shooters that it took some time. It's 50-50, man. Like, it's really tough. It is. It takes time. I mean, the defense is different. You're exerting yourself more on each end than you did when you were dominating at the collegiate level. And so I think that for guys, you just have to kind of give them their time and space to grow. And I think, like I said, if you see from the workout what you like there, mechanics-wise, everything else is matching up, then I think you don't worry about it and you go ahead with it. We have some more Hornets news to get to. I mean, we've, we've tried, right? We've talked a lot about them, and yet still we have Miles Bridges' tweet to get to. That's coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. Mark Williams' surgery, how big of a deal is that? That's also coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. So it's Fire Fizzle coming up next, but not before we drop it like it's hot. 
Go ahead, Shroppy. What you got for us this one? All right. Do you guys remember on Tuesday whenever we had the drama with the Buffalo Bills with how they were conflicting on if Stephon yes, Diggs was there confusing. or not? very confusing. Is he yeah. back? So Sean McDermott said that he feels the situation with Stephon Diggs is, quote-unquote, resolved and clarified that he excused Diggs from Tuesday's mandatory minicamp practice. So I guess no one was really l- lying so he was there for a little bit of time, and then he left for yes. a little while. Yes. I've seen it. It does look weird up there. Have mm. you seen Josh Allen and Sean yes. McDermott talk at the podium? Yes. So apparently he did a few of his mandatory drills, but he did not do team drills. So there must be something going on with the team. But he, this said here in the article, he still went up and did his handshake with Josh Allen, was talking to Gabe <laughs> Davis and stuff. So... I'm not really sure what the friction is between those two. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Well, actually, the other morning I was listening to uh, Keyshawn J. Will and Max, and Keyshawn Johnson was actually talking about this very thing. And he said that when you talk about Stephon Diggs, they said his main issue with Buffalo is the offense and the way that he's being used. Because they said when you look at his numbers, sure, they're gaudy, but his fourth quarters last season were not very good. And they said that uh, Josh Allen was not getting him the football. And he didn't feel like he was being used in the ways that he could have been used last year because they said when you go look at the fourth quarter numbers for him, uh, they didn't match up with his numbers from earlier in the game. So I think he's just trying to prove a point that you guys are going to have to use me uh, in the correct way and letting them get a glimpse of offense without him in the lineup. I do like Stephon Diggs' cryptic tweet, though, about, like, I, you know, let him keep capping. I don't know who's capping. Is it McDermott? Is it Josh Allen who says he's going to do everything he can to make sure Stephon Diggs and him are on the same page going next season? I don't know. But looks like we got drama in Buffalo. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. All right. Fire or fizzle. Everybody's favorite. Short King season here in Charlotte. <laughs> Wes is going to break down the athletes under six feet and tell us if they are fire or fizzle. It's coming up next on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wheezy F, baby, and the F is for fire or fizzle. <laughs> Lord. It's coming at you. Everybody's favorite segment, athletes under six feet, in honor of Bryce Young killing it over at minicamp. West, the first athlete on the docket. The ultimate short king, 5'3", Charlotte Hornet point guard extraordinaire, Muggsy Bogues. You tell me, fire or fizzle? Well, Muggsy Bogues, born Tyrone Bogues, 
was given the nickname because of his nagging defense out there on the playgrounds in Baltimore. He's mugging you. He's taking the ball out of your pocket. And he played in the NBA for 14 years. So that alone makes him iconic. But then he was also able to mug and pick the pockets on the court of some of the NBA's best players, including never backing down from MJ, Gary Payton, en route to 1,369 career steals. Folks, you remember seeing this man on the mural on the side of the First Union building. You know about the iconic Muggsy Bogues. So you know where this is going. I know where this is going. Muggsy Bogues is straight. Fire. Don't you ever forget it. Queen City icon. Such an icon. Not only just a novelty. Okay. Nobody was 5'3". Also very good. Muggsy Bogues, a very good basketball player at 5'3", which is absolutely ridiculous. Next one. What I would consider a better running back than Emmett Smith? Yeah, I said it, Fitty. I hope you're listening. Barry Sanders next on the list. Fire Fizzle West. Barry Sanders. What can be said about this man? One of the greatest, maybe the greatest regular season of any college football player in history when he rushed for over 2,300 yards at Oklahoma State. And then what did he do when he went to the NFL? 1989 Rookie of the Year. 10-time Pro Bowler, 10-time All-Pro First Team, four-time rushing champion, 1997 NFL co-MVP. When he retired, he was just 1,500 yards short of sweetness, a.k.a. Walter Payton, for the all-time rushing crown. In his worst season, he rushed for over 1,100 yards. Can you believe that? And he never missed the Pro Bowl in all 10 of his seasons. Folks, he appreciated being nominated as a Pro Bowl. Barry Sanders, all the juking, all the ankles, all the jocks left on the field is straight fire. Shaking you out your boots. Rob Woodson is still holding his knee. All right, I, I'm total agreeance. Two nothing. Wes is winning right now. Lionel Messi, now with Inter Miami, going to be playing with. The uh, going to be playing in the MLS next season. <laughs> you could see him with Charlotte FC. That would be a lot of fun. Will you be holding a fire fizzle sign out there at Bank of America Stadium, Wes? Lionel Messi. What a reputation this man has. The superlatives I had to pick and choose because there were so damn many. 2022 FIFA World Cup champion. 10-time UEFA and La Liga Player of the Year. 22 times he was the top goal scorer in Copa America, La Liga, UEFA, and Copa del Rey and various other leagues. Three times he was the best FIFA men's player. And not to mention, the bag is real heavy. To the tune of the net worth of 600 M's. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's not M&M's, it's 600 million. Lionel Messi, one of the greatest soccer players of all time, arguably the GOAT, is straight. Fizzle, I'm a Ronaldo guy, so I'm supporting my guy. Yeah, I'm picking sides. You take this outfit home and you burn it. Yeah, because that is got that is straight disrespect from maybe the GOAT. You're a Ronaldo <laughs> guy, so you're rolling the other way. Next one, Bruce Lee, be water or be fire. You tell me, Wes, which one is it? I'm on my game today, by the way. You are, man. I got to give it up. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Listen, when you read some of the stuff about this guy, it's almost too hard to believe. 
Some of this stuff, I was just scoffing. I was like, I, I don't believe that. Bruce Lee could punch nine times in one second, <laughs> while his one-inch punch could force a 75-kilogram opponent five to six meters away. He had punching power of 350 pounds, the same as boxing champion Muhammad Ali, and Bruce Lee only weighed 130 pounds. Then you're talking about a man. They said he could kick six times in one second. How do you do that? And his signature move, the skip sidekick, could spring a 200-pound guy with safeguard armor into the sky. They said once a 200-pound guy flew 20 meters away after Bruce Lee kicked him. Some of this stuff is tall tale levels. But you talk about Fist of Fury, Enter the Dragon, Hell Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and my personal favorite, Game of Death, where he fought Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Bruce Lee also had the fire sneaker collab with Kobe. So where do you think this is going? Bruce Lee, that guy, even though the 30 for 30 was born, Bruce Lee was straight fire. Now you think I could beat him even though I got him by over 100 plus pounds? No, Bruce Lee is a different animal. Um, <laughs> what I will say is you're totally right about B-Water, by the way. The yeah, 30 it was 30. very boring. I, I was excited for it. and yeah. I went about an hour in and I was like, I can't do it anymore. And that's, that's a lot of time invested. Last one. <laughs> Just to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain, this is exactly who peeked in in the doorway. Steve Smith. Yeah. Somebody just wrote him on the text line, too, by the way. Steve Smith was here not too long ago. That was the mystery athlete we were referencing. We knew he'd be coming up and fire a fizzle. Another short king. The best short wide receiver of all time. Really not close. But I'm sorry. I'm giving it away. Wes, you tell me. Fire a fizzle. Smitty. Straight out of the CPT. Queen City. Agent 89. I mean, what can I say about this man that hasn't been said? Finished his career eighth in the NFL in receiving yards, 14,731 to be exact. One of 14 players in NFL history with at least 1,000 career receptions. He's the Panthers' all-time leader in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, total touchdowns, scrimmage yards, all-purpose yards, and 100 yards receiving games. Five-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro and NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2005. The tenacity, the ball spins, the trash talk, the fire that he brought to every single game. Steve Smith, Agent 89, Queen City icon is straight fire. And don't you ever forget it. Put him in the Hall of Fame now. All right, love it. That's exactly what we'll end on here. Steve I want to run Smith. through a wall right now. Dude. Oh, yeah, this is how it goes, man. This is your first fire fizzle. Yeah. Yeah, it's new. Yeah. It's a lot. Cut of... that music off. <laughs> he gets insulting at the end. He orders people around. You want to run through a brick wall. It's a lot of caffeine straight to the face. Really, you're drinking coffee through a fire hose when you listen to fire fizzle, and that will end the second hour. We'll go into the 2 o'clock hour talking Panthers future bets. It's coming up next. Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ.